You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Nine Finger Chronicles episode, and today we got a good one. Um, We're going to be talking with a guy named Tristan Mole. He is from South Carolina, and South Carolina isn't known as being a, a, a big buck state, but Tristan runs into a new property, and as he starts to go through his routine of setting up the property, putting up uh, trail cameras, putting up tree stands, and uh, you know all the other things that go into uh, you know trying to figure out a new property. He runs into a really, really good buck for that area, and uh, he reached out to me on Instagram. He showed me the picture, uh, and this is that story, right? Uh, it's not your typical Midwest type story, and that's why I wanted to get it on. I wanted to get some diversity here uh, on the podcast, and that's why uh, today we're going to do, uh, I guess we'll call it a success story from South Carolina, and uh, you can tell it, just listening to him talk that he he's fired up now, and he's going to be fired up for a long time with uh, the caliber of deer that uh, he ended up uh, he ended up shooting. So awesome story today. Uh, it's real quick, you know. I, I re- remove a lot of the fluff from this episode, and we kind of we kind of just get right into it. But before we get into today's episode, we're going to do some commercials here real quick. Um, hunt stand. Okay, so hopefully by now you've picked up Hunt Stand. If you haven't, you need to. Uh, not only can you download it for free uh, through the Google App Store or anywhere you download your apps, but you can also um, 
uh, upgrade for only $40 to the Elite and to the Pro, or Elite or Pro, I forget what it's called, but I think it's the uh, Pro platform uh, for 40 bucks for an entire year. That is a, that's very affordable compared to all the other hunting apps that are out there. So at 40 bucks, here's what you get. You get to, you know, leave your leave your pins behind. You get to uh, know property boundaries, property owners, um, public land versus private land. You can um, uh, keep trail camera uh, pictures on there and organized. There is there's weather information. So, out of all the other, I guess hunting apps that are out there, this is the most robust. It has the most functionality compared to everything else that's out there. So uh, huntstand.com, go read up on all of the information. Uh, you know, Don't take my word for it. Go to huntstand.com and uh, check out all the functionality that they do offer and then purchase it and keep it in your pocket during your hunting season and catalog your all of your, uh, you know, your, I guess, adventures through, through the season. So there's uh, HuntStand, Vortex Optics, you know, title sponsor of the podcast. Not only do these guys put out excellent, um, put out excellent uh, optics, they also put out excellent customer server uh, customer service. And if you haven't listened to the Hunting Gear podcast I did with Ryan Muckenhern over from Vortex, uh, you need to go check it out because that episode is excellent and you get a good idea of the knowledge behind the people who work there and if they're that good at uh you know knowing firearms and knowing um firearm optics and uh, not only that but uh binocular spotting scopes range finders and anything else that you really need help with throughout the hunting season you can call them up talk to them about it and they will help you whether it's with their you know their specific product line or not they'll help you so uh vortexoptics.com go check them out and then lastly we have my favorite broadhead that is on the market and that's wasp and here's why they're my favorite um they're my favorite because i got to learn about their broadheads number one a majority of their heads are made in america number two the material and the design behind their products are grade a right they use the best possible material and you know and then from the experience side of things uh if you put a you know you're right if you put any broadhead in the boiler room it's probably going to kill a deer but there's something about knowing that my broadhead given a marginal shot is going to have great penetration and leave a great blood trail beyond putting it in the perfect spot uh, is something that I have confidence with Wasp in. So uh, wasparchery.com is their website. Go and check out all of the mechanical and fixed blade heads that they offer. And if you want to buy uh, a set of heads or you know get some heads before the season, before you start rocking and rolling, their discount code is 9, the number 9, followed by the word FINGERS, 2021. And it's going to save you 20% off of your purchase. So that's a good discount as well. So uh, make sure you guys are following along uh, on social media. 
right? If you if you're not following on the Nine Finger Chronicles on Instagram or Facebook, then you need to do that and make sure you're subscribed to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast on either through the Sportsman's Nation podcast network or uh, just the Nine Finger Chronicles itself. Make sure you do that. Go leave a five star review. That would help me out a lot. And uh, good luck to everybody this upcoming season, man. I honestly wish everybody the best of luck. So with all that said, let's get into today's episode with Tristan Mole. Three, two, one. All right. Today on this episode, we're joined by Tristan Mole. Tristan, man, what's up? How's it going, man? It's going good. It's going good. I think it's going better for you, though. Yeah, uh, been a hell of a weekend. Week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, I, I just want to kind of get right into it. First off, why don't you tell everybody where you're from and uh, what do you do for a living? I'm from South Carolina in the Low Country, and I'm a welder right now. Welder. All right, cool. What's the, you said the Low Country? Yeah. So what's what? So That's what's the a, difference between the Low Country and the High Country out there? Uh, the Low Country is just like the bottom region of the state. That's just what the name of it is, the Low Country. I gotcha. That's how everybody around here refers to it. Okay. And you're a welder. Um, That's right. So here's my welding experience. All right. So we, I was in college, and me and my buddy got tasked with building some metal shelves for uh, this factory for their maintenance department. And they're, so they're just like, oh, well. And, I, and me and my buddy, we always joke about this. Um, we always joke about this. And uh, so the maintenance team has me and my buddy build these metal shelves. And we have absolutely zero experience welding. And um, they give us a welder and some of these like pieces of metal that we're supposed to weld to other pieces of metal to make <laughs> to make a shelf. And so we're starting this and... Uh, um, the supervisor comes over here and he just looks at it and he goes, it looks like Swiss cheese boys. I can't use this. And, and, uh, we joke about that all the time. Uh, that's more of an inside joke, but, uh, I don't know. Does, does that mean anything to you? If I said my welds look like Swiss cheese? Yeah, it probably look like shit to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it it looked horrible. Um, what What does that mean? Does that mean like that I'm I'm holding it too long in one place, or what was the deal there? Man, I've never even. It probably had a lot of porosity, which is like a bunch of holes in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's exactly like, what it had. It like popping and stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't yeah, I didn't uh, pursue I've welding never heard at that point. Cheese before. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so you're a welder. You live in uh, South Carolina. Um, kind of describe the area as far as terrain, maybe uh, big timber, agriculture. Explain what the the lay of the land is down where you hunt. Uh, it's a lot of ag, uh, a lot of swamp land too. Uh. Not really any big timber. I mean, it's a lot of pine trees and stuff like that, but it's mainly ag and, like, swamp land. Yeah. Okay. Um, and on 
I'm just going to kind of skip a whole bunch of stuff here because you killed a, a deer that is really good for the area that you hunt. Okay. And, uh, so describe or explain to us, the listener, uh, you've already, you've already said it's kind of a, hello. All right. So you shot a really good deer for your area. You kind of already said that there's a lot of ag in this, in this area. So talk a little bit about the area that you hunt. Talk about the near deer numbers, um, and then the quality of the bucks. Uh, talk about maybe what would you be extremely happy with uh, on an average year? So uh, the deer numbers are really high around here, like super high. Like our season starts August the 15th and ends January the 1st. And from the start of the season to the end of the season, you can use any weapon, rifle, bow, whatever. Oh, dang. Um, so right away, yeah. right away in uh, August, you can use a rifle. Yeah, I mean, mo- most people don't even bow hunt around here. Or, like, most people just rifle hunt, and that's it. Gotcha. So the deer numbers are really high, but I think that hurts the buck population a lot because we have people that will shoot anything, so they don't really have a chance to grow. Yeah. Uh, what's the culture like there, down there? I mean, is it uh, we hear we hear some rumblings about this in in a state like Michigan where people will will shoot bucks just to say say you know hey I, I shot a buck or uh, in in states that you know people complain about the 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 bucks not getting big enough or old enough is that a little bit of the culture down there as well or not so much. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of it. I think that people shoot young deer too much, and they just don't have a chance to grow up. And and if anything, if a buck gets any kind of size to it, then somebody's going to shoot it because they say, well, if I don't shoot it, the guy next to me is going to shoot it. So they want to get it before the next person. And like I said, if, if it's got any kind of size to it, they just don't have a chance to get yeah. bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So high numbers. Um, when what's the tag allocation like in South uh, in South Carolina? Because I've I've heard in certain states down in the southeast that you can shoot basically as many deer as you want all season long. Yeah. So it starts off. We get three buck tags and two doe tags, and if you shoot your three bucks, and you can get two more buck tags with a. Uh, it's like the QDMA tag, so it's an antler restriction tag. Okay. And uh, I think I might be wrong, but I think you could get as many doe tags as you want. Gotcha. But I never have tried. Yeah. What's your like? What's your goal for uh, for a season? Like when you set out at the beginning of this season, uh, and obviously today we're going to be talking about kind of a. Uh, a unique uh, scenario that went down for you, but you know, are you trying to shoot a couple of those? Are you only really worried about bucks? Like what's your goal throughout the entire season? Well, obviously I want to kill a nice deer every year, but uh, really I've been trying, I just got into bow hunting big time last year. 
So that was my main thing. I just wanted to kill more deer with my bow. Gotcha. All right. Uh, this season. Gotcha. Um, now, do you still partake in rifle hunting at all throughout the year, or have you, have you kind of transitioned to just bow hunting? Yeah, I still rifle hunt. I mean, I still enjoy doing that whole thing. And actually, this deer, I ended up killing him with the rifle instead of the bow. Gotcha. All right, cool. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I still like that whole deal, but I just like bow hunting more now. Yeah, I feel you. Um, so let's, let's kind of get into this particular, this particular buck. Um, is, is this a deer that you have any history with, or did he just show up this year on your radar? Uh, this is my first year actually seeing him. Okay. Is this farm that you're hunting uh, this like have you hunted this farm several times or is it a brand new farm this, this is a new farm i guess i should have mentioned that but this yeah this is the first time that i have hunted this place and he just was out there gotcha um when did you uh when did you find him as far as uh, you know did you have trail cameras up all all summer long or did you um just run into him by chance the night you shot him no, so uh, I didn't even put any cameras or stands or anything up until, like, the very beginning of the season. I just got busy and got behind. And then he probably showed up mid-September, early to mid-September is whenever I started getting pictures of him. Okay. So the season was already in for you uh, at that point, right? That's right. Okay. All right. So this this is something that we don't talk about on on this um, on this episode or excuse me on this podcast uh, a lot, but the idea of baiting. Okay, so before we started recording, you asked, "Hey, should I should I even mentioned that you know you you used bait in your hunting strategy?" And I said, "Absolutely," because in South Carolina and other states, it is legal to use bait in in your strategy. Now, explain what you mean by if you don't bait, you would probably very rarely see deer on the farms that you hunt. So, every everyone is going to be baiting as legal. So, everybody's going to be doing it, obviously, to bring more deer in. So, I know people that they refuse to do it down here, and they really, I mean, they might kill some does or some smaller bucks but they're not killing anything with any quality and i mean you know if that's what they want to do that's cool for them but me i want to try to kill the biggest buck that i possibly can yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i can within the law you know to be able to do that right okay all right so were you have you had you been baiting for uh like several months leading up to the season or do you bait all year round or what is, what is your baiting strategy? Man, I, I just started it like at the beginning of the season, whenever I put the stands up, I, I put them at a corn, I'll put a corn pile at my stand and that's whenever I'll, uh, I'll start, I'll put cameras on that and that's how I really get my inventory. Gotcha. All right. So, I hear a lot of people who talk about baiting say that, you know, it's not as easy as you would think it is, right? The the deer in states where baiting is legal, there's a lot of them not showing up to the bait sites until, um, you know, until after dark. They learn how to flank the, 
the bait stations to where they can catch any scent coming, you know, from, you know, you or the hunter or, you know, whatever they're trying to catch. So they become, they, they understand that there's bait there and they're going to come to it at some point, but they, they're educated on how to not die around it. Is that, is that the case? I mean, really, I don't see a whole lot of that because most, like, literally everybody I know, they shoot their deer over bait. Okay. I mean, so that, I don't see any of that. I mean, it may be going on, but that's not something I've ever really ran across. Gotcha. I have seen, like, a lot of deer going nocturnal and only showing up at nighttime. But as far as just not showing up at all, I mean, I don't. Yeah. Okay. I haven't really ran into that. So when when this buck uh, shows up on trail camera, uh, and you got your first picture of him, what went through your mind at that point? I was I didn't know what to think because that's the biggest deer I've ever had on camera. Yeah. Anything. So I was super excited, and I was like, I'm going to have to change up the way I hunt for this deer. This thing's not going to come in like any other deer will. Gotcha. So when when you had your tree stand already up and you had your bait pile and you had your trail cameras all in this area, you got your first trail cam picture of him. What what strategy did you need to change to try to kill this deer? Uh, and then how soon did you go after him? Was this something that the next day you were out uh, trying to chase him, or did you have to wait a while? Well, obviously I was waiting for the the wind to be in my favor and I, I had to start paying a lot more attention to how I was accessing where I was coming in and going out and all that stuff and how quick I was moving in because there's a lot of dead leaves in the area so it was super loud for me to be moving in and out so I had to start going into the stand a hell of a lot earlier so I could be slower and quieter gotcha and uh Okay. And uh I uh I ended up putting a ground blind up also in a different uh, location to where I had him to begin with and then I started getting him on both uh spots so I was able to kind of play whichever way I wanted to go based on the wind. Yeah. So you were you were looking for multiple wind directions to hunt this deer. Yes. Okay. Was there a specific wind direction that he liked more than others? Honestly, no. He was out all, all the time. Like, he was showing up left and right. It didn't matter if it was full moon, not full moon, uh, whatever wind direction the wind blurred, he didn't care. Gotcha. Unless I was there, then he wouldn't show it up. <laughs> That's how it is, right? Um, so That's exactly right. When you know, as you're as you're starting to realize all these things, you're putting the the game plan together on the best approach to uh, to to get this buck. Um, what did you what did you what did you end up doing? Like, what? Let me ask you. Let me back up. 
what did you think this deer was doing? You know, was he bedded on the same property that you had access to hunt? Was he coming from another property? Uh, was he looping around? Like, what was this deer doing? And how did you figure that out to, to put yourself in the best position? So the main place where I was getting him, there's a creek along the, uh, along the other side of it from where my stand was. And around that creek where, where my stand is, it's kind of like a little flat area. And then there's ridges that come all the way around it and go down to that little flat area. That's where I had my stand set up. So I don't, every time I would sit, my wind was swirling like crazy. Yeah, I would check it. It'd be one direction one minute. Five minutes later, it'd be doing something completely different. So I said, I'm going to have to just move completely from here because I, I wasn't seeing any does or anything. I think I was just blowing everything out every time I go hunting. So what I ended up doing is I went and got me a new ladder stand and put that up and just moved about 400 yards away and I, there's a good little opening area and i'll put that ladder stand up in there and then set up a corn pile in there and then that's where he ended up showing up to okay so was this a, and i and I, I go ahead go ahead and I, I was just able to get him like that okay so you went kind of into more cover was it uh so kind of a, a tighter not necessarily in a wide open field, but a, a, a tight, tighter into the cover. And you put a new corn pile in that tighter cover. And is that, did he feel, he must've felt more comfortable coming into that pile of corn? Uh, no, actually it was more open than where it was. Oh, okay. Um, it, it's an opening. It, it's kind of like a, it, may, it used to be a field, but it's nothing's been done out there for years and years. So it's just kind of a grown up open area. Yeah. And uh there's there was paths all around it and trails and everything. So I I wanted to put a stand up there anyway, but I just hadn't done it yet and I figured that was the time to do it. Right. So from the time that you ended up getting your first trail camera picture of him in the season uh to this past Friday which was October October 1st, right? How many times did you hunt yep. him in in that period of time? Um, I ended up probably going about eight times and trying to get him. Okay. And did you have any and close encounters? working for me. Uh, the first time, actually, I did see him. Uh, and that was in my, in my uh, lock-on stand at the first spot where I told you the wind swirled real bad and I saw him I, I could tell it was him a huge body huge rack but it was through the it was through a lot of brush and he was looking dead at me he had me pinpointed as soon as he stepped up to that little spot where I could see him yeah and it didn't take long he bolted gotcha all right so and I, and I was still bow hunting at the time okay all right so at what point did you say all right I'm going to put the, I'm going to put the bow down and I'm going to pick up the rifle for a better opportunity. Whenever I had the idea of putting up the ladder stand, I said, you know what, I'm going to just go ahead and put this ladder stand up and put it at a good distance and see if I, that can't get him. Because with a deer like this, I don't want to take a chance of not getting him. Right. 
so how far away from that ladder stand was that corn pile? Uh, it was about an 80-yard shot. 80 yards. Okay. All right. All right. So I've hunted, I've hunted uh, a situation like this where there was deer. He was showing up regular. Um, he was really big. Um, and really big deer, they just don't go unnoticed for too long, right? At some point, other people see them. Other people start to talk about it. Were the neighbor, uh, like the neighboring properties talking about this buck? Did you hear any rumblings of this buck, um, you know, making an appearance and, and, uh, letting everybody else know that he was there? Um, I haven't heard of anybody before that. I don't really know any of the neighboring people. So I hadn't heard anything, but then after, uh, after I ended up killing it, someone said that, uh, they knew somebody that had been hunting a deer in the same vicinity that looked like that one. So maybe it was him. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But other than that, I haven't heard of anybody else seeing it. Okay. All right. So on Friday, um, this past Friday, October 1st, you is when you ended up getting him. So talk to me a little bit about what the conditions were like, like what led up to you being in the stand in those conditions with him showing up? So I didn't even plan on hunting that spot. I wanted to go to my ground blind where he had been also showing up regularly. Cause like I said, I, I just put that stand up Monday. So I, I had no even thought that he was going to show up that quick at that place. Uh, so I was going to go to my ground blind, ended up getting out there. The wind direction wasn't right. So I was like, well, I'm here, so I might as well hunt. So I just went and sat in the ladder stand, where, which the wind was perfect for. And, man, I was sitting there. He, he he did come out early, but I was probably in the stand for two hours or so, and I was starting to think, man, there's nothing going to show up. It didn't look like anything had even touched the corn or anything like that. And... Uh, I uh, I did grunt a little bit, uh, probably two or three times, just little light grunts because, like I told you before, that we, uh, we're we starting to see some movement and some rut activity starting up. So I was like, well, I'll do a little light stuff. It won't hurt. Yeah. And uh, I, I did that in probably, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes after I did my grunt, I was looking at my phone and I looked up and uh, – he was along the ridge, along the ridge at the back of that little open field, and he was about to walk down into the swamp. I could tell it was a buck, but I wasn't sure, you know, if it was him or not. And I was like, "Well, he's about to go down there. I'm never going to see him again today, probably." Yeah. And right whenever that thought crossed my mind, he turned around and he, I, he looked at that corn and he made a V line to it. Yeah. Do you think he noticed the corn for the first time at that point, or did you did you have trail camera pictures of him on that corn beforehand? No, man. Whenever I put the trail camera up, I forgot to switch the thing to on. Oh, damn! To turn it on, I've, I've got to take the cam up. So I, I left it on the setup setting by accident. I forgot to turn it on, so I hadn't been getting pictures of anything. Nice, but uh, so, but he turned around and like like. He, it's almost like he caught a whiff of it or something like that. Like he smelled it because he, he turned around and he went straight to it after that before it like he didn't even notice it. Yeah. Okay. So he, tur- you think you're going to lose him. He turns around, he starts heading for you at this point. You, you gotta be saying, Hey, I'm going to get a shot at him. 
right? Um, so so walk us through yeah, what was going yeah, on. Yeah, you're getting fired up. Walk us through what happened once you started getting the gun ready and, uh, you know, went through a whole, that whole process and, and uh, lined them up in your sights or whatever. Well, uh, I got my gun up and I, he stopped. There's, there's two big oak trees back there. And he stopped like kind of in the middle of them behind where the branches kind of cross. And I could see a little bit through him. Like, I'm pretty sure this is him. He probably stayed there for 30 or 45 seconds, which felt like a lifetime right then. Yes. And, uh, and he said, he stayed right there and I was looking through him. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's him. And then as soon as he started walking and he came right out on the other side, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's him. So obviously my heart's beating fast and, I'm about to have a conniption. And <laughs> he, uh, he he goes over there and starts eating. I, I'm like, well, I've got all the time in the world now. So I just kind of gathered myself. And I gave him, it probably took me about a minute. And I let my heartbeat slow down a little bit and put the, uh, put the crosshairs on the front shoulder. And he was dead before he hit the ground. Dang. And all right. So this whole story seems real fast. Right. And in, in all reality, it was buck showed up, you hunted him, you know, a handful of times. Uh, now the buck is dead right in front of you. What was the, what was that post trigger pull like for you knowing that not only did you just shoot, um, your biggest buck ever, but, a uh, a buck that is very, very rare in South Carolina. Oh man, I could. I just felt blessed. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I, I was literally in disbelief. I was like, I can't believe that just happened and this easy too. Yeah. Uh, I hunted a a, a buck waist. Uh, he was a good buck for our area last year, but he was way smaller. And man, I hunted him like no other. I'm like, how in the hell did I just kill this giant this easily? Like, there's no way that it just worked out like this. Yeah. So you get out of your and tree stand. I, you walk over to him. And you, you you put your hands on him for the first time. What was that like? Oh man, it was unreal. Uh, I just, like I said, I was I was just in shock. I couldn't believe it. Uh, really did. I didn't expect to even see anything that day. And lo and behold, he showed up. That's the only deer I even saw the whole day. And I was, man, I was just stoked. Yeah. Who was the first person that you called? I call my dad, man. I'll, every time I get a deer, I call him first. Yeah. What'd he say? Oh, he was pumped. He didn't believe me. He thought I was uh He thought I was messing with him. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he thought I was just shooting the shit. But no, I was like, no, I, I really got it, and he, he was excited for me. That's awesome. All right, so I'll say congratulations, right? But you told me before we started recording that. Um, you know, once the word got out around town, around the area, and especially on social media with this buck that you, that you ended up killing, it, you became like a lot of people reached out to you, right? I mean, talk to, uh, talk to me about that. I mean, was it, was it all positive? Did you have some sprinklings of negativeness in there or, um, just kind of all the, all the people reaching out to you? Uh, everything was pretty much positive. I mean, it, everybody, you know, was just saying congratulations and 
people's wanting to know where I killed the deer at and stuff. I'm like, obviously, I'm not going to tell you. And then some of that kind of got negative, but I just let you know let that go to the side. I mean, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. What you, what you have to say. I mean, I'm not going to take you hunting at my place. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know you, and you're getting mad because I won't tell you where I killed the deer. Like, I go on somewhere with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, now what? I mean this this seems like a thing that a guy would just be jacked about for several uh, for several months, maybe even years. You know, after after you shoot a buck like this, I. I'll share a story. My buck last year, I, I still, before I started recording this podcast, I was downstairs on the top of my steps looking at my my wall of deer mounts, and I was just staring at the buck that I shot last year and just replaying that whole uh, scenario through my head and everything. And uh, I, I got fired up again about the whole, you know, the whole, the whole uh, encounter and the experience and all the memories and stuff like this. Um obviously you're still fired up about, about this. Cause it's only been like three or four days since that happened. But, uh, but like, you think you're going to be fired up about this, this particular caliber of deer for some time now? Oh yeah. I mean, and I think that's going to end up being a problem because now I'm not going to want to shoot anything. I'm going to want to try to hold off <laughs> and try to kill deer like this all the time, but that's just not feasible around here. Right. Right. I mean, maybe, maybe this property might be. And I'm, I'm, I haven't even really seen the whole thing yet. It's a pretty good size, so I'm gonna go on the other side of it and I'm gonna check out what's going on all yeah. around. Maybe there's other big deer out there like that. I, I hope there is. Yeah. Well, I, I tell but, you. I'll, yeah, I, I think the main thing is I'm gonna have to just not expect to see that all the time and be okay with shooting bucks smaller than that still yeah absolutely and this might be one of those opportunities for you if you are the kind of person who you know you you say well if, um not you but all the p- other people that you talk to in, in that area well if i don't shoot it someone else will shoot it well maybe you have the access to the property now where you maybe just you can shoot some does or you you can let a couple you know other smaller bucks walk by and because you got you know you had success with this particular deer and allow that maybe if it's just one deer get one year older on that farm or you can just do what you always do and kill shit you know what i mean like i'm not you know i'm not trying to say hey you know one one of those answers is right or wrong it's all up to you but you know there's i i i could see an opportunity there Right. So I'm not one of the people that I was talking about that, you know, just shoot everything. A is decent. Yeah. I'll shoot it. Yeah, I got that. Uh, yeah. I, I try to, I try to, like, at least, you know, like a 15 or 16 inch spread. And that that's what I'll, I'm aiming for at the, you know, at the least. Yeah. I mean... I have killed smaller when I was younger, but then, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't get out of it. I'd rather let the small ones go and see what they have the potential to be. Right. Um, I have one out there and he was actually the one, like the one I was after before this one showed up and I was, I was just going to bow hunt him. I wasn't going to try to shoot him with the rifle. I've killed deer, plenty of ones like him with the rifle. So I was like, I'll just bow hunt him. And he's probably... 
I don't know, one twenty ish. Just a rough estimate, I guess. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm definitely gonna try to let him walk now. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, hopefully he doesn't show up in front of somebody else, but he he has a lot of potential, and maybe he can be bigger than this one if he gets the opportunity to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so go ahead and let us know, like, what best estimate, or if you put some tape to him, what did, what did this buck score, and how old do you think he was? Uh, I got my taxidermist to do a. I think they call it a green score. Yeah, I'm, I'm not not really sure how that whole deal works. Uh, and he he said it came out to be 130. Um, I I honestly thought it was going to be bigger than that, but that, that's what he said. I trust him. So yeah, and uh, I'm guessing probably in the four and a half to five and a half range, possibly six. I'm I'm not really sure. Yeah, well, but I, he's definitely older. Yeah, um, I de- I looked at that buck and I I thought he was bigger than 130, but a 138 pointer is still a great looking deer. You know what I mean? It takes it takes a lot of inches to make Absolutely. an eight pointer uh, score big. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he weighed two hundred twenty pounds. I mean, he, he he wasn't a young deer, and like most deer around here, like um, if they make it to four and a half, then they're living a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations, man. Um, make if if you guys are listening to this, go to the uh, Nine Finger Chronicles. Facebook or Instagram page and check out the picture of this deer uh, an excellent deer for South Carolina and uh, I tell you what man hopefully uh, you have some more success this year keep us posted and uh, congratulations and good luck thank you man I sure appreciate it thanks for talking with me and that brings us to the end of another episode huge shout out man to Tristan for taking time out of his day Congrats, my friend, on a awesome deer out of South Carolina. Um, to each and every one of you, keep grinding out there. Uh, it's it's starting to get good. I mean, when I say that, it's it's like the it's like the warm up, right? Right now, we're we're kind of going through the motions. We're practicing our jump shot. You know, we're we're warming up in the in the field before the game starts. That's the time it is right now. It is, we're, we're literally two weeks away. That's two weekends away until it starts getting really good out there um, throughout the you know majority of North America as far as bow hunting whitetails. But uh, get out there, stay focused. You can do this. And I tell you what, visualize the end goal here. Uh, that's one thing that I do a lot, and that's visualize myself holding a deer that I want and then I do whatever it takes to get to that goal, right? So um, good luck out there, everybody. Huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, Wasp, Vortex, Hunt Stand, Ozonics, Lone Wolf, Ex, uh, Excalibur Crossbows, and Exodus Trail Cameras. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And uh, lastly, you got to stay positive. Send those good vibes out, man. Uh, learn from your mistakes. Let those good vibes come back to you and wear your safety harness. We'll talk to you next time.